0: Well, I'm excited to be with you. We've been looking forward to this date for quite some time now. As uh, several months back, uh, I talked to Brother Brown about uh, the opportunity of us coming out and uh, did not know at that point that I'd also have the opportunity to preach for you in the morning time. And so looking forward to you coming and be be back tonight. Don't fail to come back tonight. Say, Brother Botman, do we have to listen to you again? We'll we'll treat you to food as long as you come and endure the service, all right? And everybody likes food, so you make sure that we'll come. We'll have a good time tonight and certainly a wonderful time honoring your pastor. Take your Bible, if you would, and go to 2 Kings and chapter number 4. 2 Kings and chapter number 4. Our church, Parkside Baptist Church, is just outside of Dallas. We can see the Dallas skyline from the road in front of our church. And so if you're wondering where in Texas it is, it's in the hot part. And uh, that's true. The day before I left there, it was 111 degrees. And it's been that way, uh, 32 out of the last 36 days, uh, over 100. And we get about the same amount of no rain that you do. And so you pray for those in Texas. When they say everything's bigger in Texas, they mean the temperature too, apparently. But uh, when, I, when I got off the plane here in Sacramento, I felt like I needed a coat. It was down like in the, the low 90s. It was so freezing cold. And so I was just glad I didn't catch a cold in the hotel last night. But uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. Let's stand together one quick time here. We're going to read a couple verses together. I'll get right into the message. If you're in Second Kings, in chapter number 4, that's where I'm reading. If you want to just listen in or follow along, you may do so. I'll begin at verse number 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, "'My head, my head,' and he said to the lad, "Carry him to his mother.'" And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, "Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again." And he said, "Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath." And she said, "It shall be well." And she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward, slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came to the man of God, to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Very interesting in this passage, very possibly one of the saddest days in the life of this lady. And yet, she says to Gehazi, the servant, to be related to the prophet, it is well. How could she say that? Was she lying on that day? Was she just saying that to try to trick the prophet? No, in her heart, she had a belief that it was going to be well, and it was a statement of faith. When even though things were not well in her life, she was able to say, it is well. And I can tell you that in your life already, you've probably had a day or two that it was not well. And unfortunately, I'm not trying to be the prophet of doom, but there's more days around the corner that it shall not be well in your life. But it would be a wonderful thing if this morning we would learn some principles from the Word of God that on days that it is not well, to still be able to say, it is well. And I think the things that we'll look at this morning will help you. Maybe today, some of you are in a valley. Maybe tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now, there's a valley that's waiting for you. And you'll need to be able to tap into these truths to be able to help you to focus on the fact that it can still be well, even on days it is not. Heavenly Father... Teach us from your word and help us, dear Lord, to put these things away in our heart so that we can use these truths and these principles in days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Now, I won't go deep into the story in lieu of the time that we have together this morning. But the story really, as we picked up, had happened before that because here was a lady that had been doing all she could to take care of the man of God. And when he would come through on occasion, she would invite him to the house and she and her husband would uh, try to take care of him as good host and she'd make a fine meal and she'd uh, offer her bed or she'd offer the couch or she'd offer some place there for him to rest for the night. And then he'd go on his way, and it wouldn't be long, and he'd come back through that area again. And she, again, would do the same thing. And, and she'd say, now, I, I think we need to take care of Elisha while well, he's here. He's a good man. And, and they'd done that for often time. And now had come the time that she had such a burden to care for him that she went to her husband and she said, Hey, let's do this. Let's put on a, a little room. Let's, let's have a little add-on to the house here and we'll do a building project and we'll make a room just for Elisha. And we want when he comes through for him to be able not just to have to sleep on the couch or for us to throw a, a, a mattress on the floor. We want him to have his own little suite as it were. And so they did. They gathered the things that they needed and they added onto the house. And I don't know if they put above the door Elisha's suite or not, but that's exactly what it was. It was specifically built and designed and I believe reserved for him when he came through. And I think the next time that Elisha came through, she said, Well, do I have a surprise for you? And she had the meal cooked, and she had the uh, the the, uh, the pie made at the end of the meal. And oh, he enjoyed the wonderful time of fellowship together, and the great host that she and her husband had been. And she said, "Now I want you to close your eyes. You're not going to believe what we're about to show you." And he closed his eyes, and they led him down the hallway. And she said, "All right, now open your eyes." And there it was, Elisha's room. And she said, "From now on, any time you're coming through, you stay here." And you've got your own bed to sleep in. We've got a little table in there for you and a candlestick. And we've got everything prepared. And this is your room reserved for you any that you want it, your own private suite. And I'm sure he was thrilled. And he said, well, boy, I'm just i overwhelmed. I can't believe that you would do all this for me. What can I do for you? Tell me what it is that I could do to show my appreciation back. Could I speak to the king on your behalf? I have a little bit of pull, and maybe I could talk to the king. Get your husband a government job. And she said, no, I've heard about government jobs. My husband don't want a government job. And he said, well, maybe I could get you a better house down closer to town. They're putting a new Walmart. Actually, I think it was a Costco. They're putting a new Costco. And uh, maybe I could get your house closer to the Costco. And she said, no, I'd rather just stay here with my own people and my own area. And I appreciate what you're trying to do, Elisha, but don't worry about me. And I, I think he was out of appreciation, out of gratitude, just desperate to do something for this dear lady. And Gehazi came to him and he said, hey, I got an idea. I believe what you could do that would make this, hap- this lady happier than anything else is pray to God that she would have a son. She's been barren all the days of her life. She's been barren longer than she feels like now that there would even be a chance of having a son. But if you would pray to God that God would give her a child, I believe she would be thrilled. And so the next morning at breakfast, sure enough, he brought it up. He said, Hey, I know you didn't want the government job for your husband. I know you didn't want the house close to Costco, but how about if I pray to God to give you a child? And she, in my own terms, said, Don't mess with me. Don't play with my emotions on this now. This is a serious matter. I've cried many tears and I've stayed up many a night, and I I don't care for you to just toy with my emotions in that way. He says, No, I'm serious. By the next time I come through, you're going to have a child. And he prayed. And God answered that prayer. And boy, how excited she was. And she went to her husband, and it was time for another building project. And another area needed to be added on the house. And they prepared for that baby. And boy, I'm sure they were so excited. And the folks in town were excited for them. And the baby finally comes, and the child begins to grow. And we don't know at what age the child was, but we know the child was old enough to go out to the field and work with his father. So I'm guessing at least three My philosophy was, if you can push a bubble mower, you can push a real mower. And so, uh, boy, we got him started early. And so he goes out to the field, and he's working in the field. And he, my head, my head, oh, dad, my head. And daddy did what every compassionate dad should do. Go see your mama. (laughs) And he went and saw mama. And the Bible says that he sat in her lap until noon, and he died. Now, I want you to imagine the heartache, sorrow, sorrow the disappointment, the total demolition of all the dreams that she had dreamed and the fulfillment of those dreams in that little boy, and now he's gone. And here's a lady that I believe probably was having the worst day of her life. And she said, now you get a a man to take me to go see the man of God, and I'm going to go talk to him. She laid that little dead baby on his bed there in his suite, and she went to find the man of God. And as she's approaching, Elisha, by way of the Holy Spirit, knows that she's coming and that she has a sorrow of heart. He says, Gehazi, go out and meet her and ask her what's going on. And he specifically says, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And can I tell you the answer to all three of those is no. It is not well with you when your baby dies. It is not well with your husband when your baby dies. And it was not well with the child. He's laying dead on Elisha's bed. And yet through faith, she says, it is well. Now, very quickly, I want to give you a couple truths to write down and hang on to. So that when your day comes that it is not well, you can remember these truths and still say, it as well. Number one, if you're there in your Bible, go to Job chapter 23. Job 23, beginning at verse number 8, the Bible says, Job speaking, Behold, I go forward, and he's not here, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. And on the left hand, he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. First of all, this morning, we can say it as well, even in the valley, because number one, God is aware. I tell you, Job, boy, he knew what sorrow was too. And Job, in a matter of just about a 24-hour period, lost everything that he had. Physically, all of his assets were gone, and his ten children all died simultaneously. His wife turns on him, and his friends want nothing to do with him, and his body is covered from top of his head to the bottom of his feet in sores, and over just a matter of a few days, his entire world comes crashing down. And Job says, But he knoweth the way that I take. Job, how can you keep your head up when you've lost all your sheep? God's aware that I lost them. Job, how can you keep going knowing you've lost all your oxen? God is aware that I lost them. How can you keep from being upset when you've lost all your camels? God is aware that I've lost them. How can you keep from being mad when you lost all your donkeys? God is aware. How can you keep from being depressed when you've lost all your servants and being in despair when you've lost all your children? How can you keep from giving up when you've lost all your friends? God knoweth the way that I take. I'm not alone. I am not beyond God's knowledge. I'm not beyond God's omniscience. I'm not beyond God's watchful eye. God knoweth the way that I take. And it is no newsflash to God what's happened in my life right now. God is aware. And my dear friend, the same is true for you and the same is true for me in my life. When we go through difficulties... It is not beyond the knowledge of God. I can promise you that there's never been a battle God did not know. There's never been a burden God did not pre There's never been a trial God did not approve. There's never been a sickness God did not have knowledge of. There's never been a struggle God did not supervise. There's never been a problem God did not allow. And you can have in your valley the knowledge that whatever burden you carry and whatever obstacle you're climbing and whatever sickness that you have and whatever heartache that you hold and whatever difficulty that you face, there is a God in heaven and he sees and he hears and he knows and he's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. And you will not walk through that valley alone because God is aware of what's going on in your life. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times. Oh, like the songwriter wrote, How Should I Feel Discouraged? And why should the shadows come? And why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion and a constant friend is he? If his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. The first thing that will cause your heart to say it as well, even on days that it's not so well, is God knoweth the way that I take. And God is aware. Little Shunammite woman, your son just died. How can you say it is well? Because if God gave me the boy to start with, God knows the sorrow I feel today. He knoweth the way I take. He knoweth my frame. He knows my heartache. And He's aware of my circumstances. Number two, Psalm 139. Psalm 139 a second truth to grab hold of on days that it is not well. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 7 of Psalm 139. The psalmist writes, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? And whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take my wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Hey, secondly, God is not just knowledgeable from a distance. God is with me. I can say, number two, God is around. You see, it'd be one thing if he just knew what was going on, but he just didn't say, I know. He said, I'm going to go with you in your valley. I am around. You can never be outside of the presence of God. Because God is everywhere. And everywhere includes your valley. And everywhere includes your hardship. And everywhere includes your problem. And everywhere includes your sickness and everywhere includes your difficulty and everywhere includes your desperate situation and everywhere includes your circumstance and your heartache. Hey, we never walk alone. We never hurt alone. We never lift alone. We never go alone. We never struggle alone. He promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And you've got a God that promises, hey, I will walk every step. Along your difficult trail. I will be around. He promised Abraham these words. I am with thee. He promised Isaac the same words. I am with thee. He promised Jacob the same words. I am with thee. He promised Joseph the same words. I am with thee. He promised Moses the same words. I am with thee. He promised uh, Joshua the same words. I am with thee. He told Gideon, I am with thee. He told David, I am with thee. He told Isaiah, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Fear not, for I am with thee be not dismayed I am thy God I will help thee Yale yeah, uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness he told Jeremiah be not afraid of their faces for I am with thee to deliver thee and can I remind you when Shadrach Meshach and Abednego showed up in the fiery furnace he just didn't watch from afar he showed up as the fourth man in the fire you know why because no matter what valley you find yourself in you've got a God that's not just aware You've got a God that's around. I remember years ago when my oldest son, he's married now, about to turn 30. But when he was just a little tight, I think about three years old. I said, son, I'm going to Home Depot. You want to go with dad? He says, "Uh, maybe. I said, I'm probably going to have to stop for ice cream on the way home. He said, I'm coming. We went to Home Depot. And I, quite honestly, Brother Brown, I don't even know if I needed anything. I think I just wanted to go sniff the wood. When you're a man, we don't like shopping. But if you take us to Bass Pro or Lowe's or Home Depot, we can stay in there for three hours for no reason at all. And I was just looking at tools I might need someday. I, some tools, I don't even know what they do, but someday I might need one. And I remember they had those open shelves back then with all the power tools on them. And I'd walk down that aisle and I would looked at some power tools and here's my little three-year-old boy about this tall and he's looking at that bottom shelf of tools and he's turning the handles and he's spinning things and none of them were plugged in ladies don't worry about it and uh, he was he was looking at all those power tools and finally I said come on now son and he was too busy playing with the tools and I went a little bit further I said now come on son he was still busy playing with the tools and I realized this was a day for life lesson and I walked around the end of that cap and I went back down the aisle and I'm looking at him through that open shelf but he couldn't see me And all of a sudden, it dawned on him, Daddy wasn't around. He looked this way and didn't see Daddy. And he looked that way and he didn't see Daddy. And he called out, Daddy. And I didn't answer. I just watched him. And then he went down the aisle, all the way to the end of the big aisle that went this way. And he looked this way and he looked this way and he said, Daddy. And I didn't answer. I just walked with him and I watched him through the aisle. And he walked all the way to the end of this aisle. And he walked down this way and looked down that way. Now his voice is changing a little bit more. Daddy! I just watched him. All of a sudden, then tears started to come to his eyes. And he thought he'd been abandoned by Daddy. And a lady started to walk forward towards him. And I stepped out and I just called his name Ryan. Boy, lickety-split. He came and he grabbed hold of my leg like a monkey on a coconut tree. And he hung on. His feet weren't even on the ground. Now, he's just grabbed hold of my leg and was not letting go. Matter of fact, I had to walk to the car like this. (laughs) But do you know what? He decided he needed to stay close to daddy. It seemed to him that daddy wasn't around. But I never took his eye off of him. I knew right where he was the whole time. And I was there. There'll be times in your valley you'll think God has forsaken you. There'll be times in your valley you think you're all by yourself. But the truth of the matter is, from God's word, God's around. He's watching. He knows exactly where you are. And he might not just be watching. He might be trying to teach you a lesson to stay close to him, even in the valley. See, God is aware of your day that's not so well and God is around in your day that's not so well number 3 go to Daniel chapter 3 you're familiar with this little passage here from Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 16 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king O Nebuchadnezzar we are not careful to answer thee in this matter verse 17 if it be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. Now, dear friend, if all we had to hang on to was that God was aware of my trouble, and even that God was around in my trouble, but God was not able to help me or deliver me from my trouble, it'd be really hard to say it as well. He didn't say, well, I'll just... Let you perish, but I'll be there when you do. He's a God, like, Dan, like they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, He is able. And can I tell you that that has not changed since Daniel in chapter number 3. Our God is still able. What helps me to say it is well, even on a day that it's not well. God is aware. God is around. And God is able. He proved to Sarah he was able and she had a child in old age. He proved to Abraham he was able and he put a ram in the thicket on top of the mountain. He proved to Moses he was able and he had a burning bush not be consumed. He proved to Pharaoh he was able and he brought ten plagues on the Egyptians. He proved to the children of Israel he was able and he parted the Red Sea and gave them water from a rock and sent down manna from heaven and made their clothes to never wear out for 40 years. He proved to Joshua he was able, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. He proved to Gideon he was able, and he defeated the Midianites with 300 unarmed men. He proved to Naaman he was able, and he healed them in the Jordan River. He proved to the prophets of Baal he was able, and he sent down fire from heaven and consumed the altar. He proved to the little widow woman he was able, and he filled her pots with one cruise of oil. He proved to the women of of, uh, Zarephath he was able, and he made a handful of meal to last an entire lifetime. He proved to David he was able, and he brought down Goliath with just one small stone. He proved to King Darius he was able, and he stopped the mouths of the lion. He proved to Nebuchadnezzar he was able, and he made three Hebrew boys become fireproof. He proved to the blind, and the deaf, and the lame, and and the sick, and the lepers he was able, and he healed them all. He proved to Mary and Martha he was able, and he raised old Lazarus after four days in the tomb. He proved to the disciples he was able and he spoke, peace be still. And the, and the waters fell down flat and the wind ceased from blowing. He proved to Peter he was able and he walked on the water. He proved to the disciples he was able and he fed 5,000 with two loaves and five, little, uh, five loaves and two little fishes. And he proved to the whole world he was able. When up from the grave he arose a mighty triumph over his foes. Hey, our God always has been able and our God still is able today. And he's able in the midst of your day that is not so well touching the almighty we cannot find him out he is excellent in power and judgment god has spoken once twice have i heard it that power belongeth unto god behold the lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear for with god nothing shall be impossible our god is powerful our god is mighty our god is omnipotent our god is strong Our God is rich. Our God is the great physician. Our God is the creator. Our God is miraculous. Our God is the deliverer. And our God is able. Every valley that you go through, I can promise God is either able to deliver you from your valley or bring you through the valley. But either way, you're going to come out on the other side with a God that's able. So even when the odds are against me, it is well because God is able. And even when I have no solution, it is well because God is able. And even when I have no answer. It is well because God is able. And even when the doctors are baffled. It is well because God is able. And even when I am at the end of my resources. It is well because God is able. And even when I don't know where to turn. It is well because God is able. And even when the world is against me. And the flesh is pulling at me. And the devil shooting at me. It is well because God is able. And even when only a miracle will do. It is still well. Because God is a miracle working God. And he is able to deliver me. In my time of need, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? They asked old Moses, and he shouted back, God is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how can you stand up with courage before the king and face the fiery furnace? Because our God is able to deliver us. Job, how can you say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? Because God is able. King Darius yells down, well, down to the lion's den. Oh, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you from the mouth of the lions? And Daniel cups his hands to his mouth and shouts back up, My God is able to deliver me. Lord, if you'd just been here, says Martha and Mary, our brother had not died, but now it's too late. He's been dead for four days. Oh, girls, you forgot. I am the resurrection and the life. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. Little Shunammite woman, you've lost your son. And here comes Gehazi, and he asks the specific question, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? How on earth can you say it is well? Because if God was able to give me a son in my barrenness, God is able to raise my son if he wants to. My God is able. Look with me last of all at Romans chapter 8. How do you say it is well even on days that God and you both know it's not well? Because I remember, first of all, God is aware. I remember, secondly, God is around. And I remember, thirdly, God is able In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, a familiar verse, you know it well. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Last of all this morning, it is well, because this much I know. God is always right. When it doesn't look right... God is always right. When it doesn't seem right, God is always right. When it doesn't make sense to me, God is always right. And when I don't understand it, when I don't like it, and I don't agree with it, and I don't believe it, it is still a truth that God is always right. God's never been wrong. He's not wrong today, and He won't be wrong. He's never made a mistake, he's never made an error, he's never made a bad decision. He's never been late, he's never been incorrect, he's never had poor judgment. He's never missed the mark, he's never come up short, he's never forgotten anything or misplaced anything. He's never guessed or estimated. He's not just been close, he's not failed, and he's not been surprised. Everything he does, he does on purpose, and everything he does, he does for a purpose. And everything he does is a part of his master plan, and it is for my good, and it is for his glory, because All things work together for good. I can remind you this morning that he did not say all things are good. Because there'll be times that things happen in your life. The truth of the matter is it's not a good thing. Such was the case of this little Shunammite. Such was the case of Job. Such was the case of Joseph. Such was the case in my life, in your life. There'll be things that in and of themselves, they are not good. But you can still say it as well. Because it's just one more ingredient to the recipe. You like chocolate chip cookies? If you're saved, you do. And by the way, chips ahoy does not count. You can use it as a hockey puck, it's not a good cookie. If you have to dip it in melt to get it soft enough to chew and not break your teeth, it's not a good cookie. A good cookie, you take it out of the oven and it wilts just a little bit like that. And you pull it apart and there's a bridge of chocolate from one side to the other. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's a good chocolate chip cookie. And I like chocolate chip cookies. I like fresh, homemade, right from the oven, warm, soft chocolate chip cookies. But I'll be honest with you, I don't really care for the ingredients. I said, well, you all like chocolate chip cookies, so I'm going to give you the eggs. You get to eat three raw eggs. Enjoy. You like chocolate chip cookies? Good. You like chocolate chip cookies? Good. You're going to eat the flour. Just choke it down. You look like you got rabies. You'll be foaming at the mouth and paste growing in it, but just eat it. I'm going to give you the uh, bacon soda. That's what you get to enjoy. I'm going to give you Crisco. How many of you remember Crisco? Mama used to use Crisco, lard. <laughs> That's not good. And here's one that smells good, but doesn't taste so good. Imitation vanilla extract. You think it's going to be good, but it's not. And I can tell you that there's several of the ingredients that go into chocolate chip cookies in and of themselves. You will say, this is not good. But when you work it all together, it comes out really good. And I say that in the recipe of your life, yes, there'll be some water and there'll be some chocolate chips and there'll be some sugar. There'll be some sweet, refreshing days. But the truth of the matter is many of your days won't taste so good by themselves. But God promised it will all work together for good. You see, you've got to trust Him enough in the days that it is not well to believe the product is going to be good in the end because God knows what He's doing. And He's always right. So even when God allows sickness, it is well. And even when God allows sorrow, it is well. And even when God allows struggle and weakness and waiting and financial reversal and heartache and burden and death and tragedy, it is well. Because I know that though I might not see it or understand it today, God is always right and He's working this together for my good. For as the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right. See, in the flesh, you might want to ask why. You might think God is unfair. You might doubt God's love. You might not understand what God is doing. But by faith in that promise, I can still say it is well. In the late 1800s, a Christian businessman sat grieving beside his wife as their son died prematurely, still young in age. It wasn't but about two years after the great Chicago fire of 1871 burned up all of the real estate assets this Christian businessman owned along Lakeshore Drive in Chicago. He spent two years just trying to get his life put back together, And though he tried to reestablish some things financially, emotionally, he and his wife were still just empty and aching. So he said, let's do this. I've gathered enough money together. Let's take a trip to England. There's a man named D.L. Moody and Ira Sankey over there, and we're just going to go for several months, and we're just going to sit under their preaching and try to be a blessing to them and let God heal our hearts. He put his wife and his four daughters on a ship, and sent them across the ocean. He said, I've got to stay and finish one more business deal, and then I'll come shortly, and I'll join you over there. We'll start healing our hearts together. On that voyage, that ship was struck by another ship. And in 12 minutes, that ship sunk to the ocean floor. And his wife survived, but his four daughters died. He got a telegram from England after she arrived on shore that said, Saved, alone. know how his heart broke? He quickly made arrangements to take the next ship out. And he went to the captain he said, We're taking the same path my wife and my daughters took. When we get to the place in the ocean that that ship sank, would you stop for just a moment, bring me on top of the deck, and just let me reflect. On that watery grave, the captain agreed to do so. And when they got to the place, not only did he stop, but he shut off the engines and he said, Mr. Spafford, you may come to the deck. This is the place where the ship went down. Mr. Spafford stood with broken heart and tear-filled eyes, but a heart of faith. And he went back below deck and he penned these famous words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And my dear friend, there'll be times it is not well with your bank account but it can still be well with your soul. There will be times it is not well with your family, but it can still be well with your soul. There will be times it is not well with your health, or your job, or your situation, or your vehicle, your relationships, but you can still say, it is well, when you realize it can be well with your soul. How? Little Shunammite woman, can you look at Gehazi and say, it is well. Same way H.G. Spafford said it. They remembered some truths from the Bible. They didn't say it is well because they wanted to. They didn't say it was well because it was. Thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. So I ask you, dear friend, as you go through, and you will go through, more days of heartbreak, will you spend them saying, I don't know what God is doing. There is no hope. Life isn't fair. God doesn't care. I don't understand. And woe is me. Or will you say, it is well. You can, if you remember, God is aware. God is around. God is able. And even though I don't see it yet, because I'm just swallowing flour and Crisco and baking soda, when God's finished, I'm going to like this recipe. Because God is always right. And it is well with my soul. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I don't know who is in a valley today. But I know this, you've either just come out of one, or you're in one now, or you're soon about to embark in another valley around the bend. And on the days that it's truly not well in your heart, I sure hope that you and I can be like that little Shunammite woman, and like H.G. Spafford, and let God teach us to say, it is well with our soul." Brother Bachman, truth of the matter is, it's not well in my soul because I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I've got some doubt. I've got some concern. I want to go, but I'm not sure. Would you pray for me without looking around if that's you here this morning? Brother Bachman, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure if I died today, I would. It's not well. I don't have peace in my heart about that. Would you just slip up your hand with no one looking, just put it up? and put it down, I don't know, but I want to. Would you raise it? Would you pray for me? I want it to be well with my soul. And dear friend, as a child of God, God bless you, sir, thank you. As a child of God, it can still be well on days even that it's not, if you'll remember these truths. I've been there, I've been in the valley, and I've looked up towards a dark heaven and said, God, I don't understand. And God, I don't like it. And God doesn't make sense to me, and this isn't what I would have chosen, but God has had to teach me to say it is well. Brother the botman, I'm going to ask God to help me remember these truths in my valley, not to doubt him, not to falsely accuse him, but to realize it's just part of the recipe. Of what he's doing in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand all across the auditorium? God bless you, and you, ma'am, down here, and you in the middle and to my right. God bless you. God bless you, sir, and God bless you, sir, and God bless you in the back. All oh, let's learn to say it is well. Let's stand to our feet as the pianist begins to play.